This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay. And in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. With me this week is Greg Miller. Ryan Geddes is here. Hey, guys. And Charles Onyet is here. He's back. He's making his return. I'm so happy, A, to be able to be on Gamescoop. Yeah. And to be on with Charles, mm-hmm. I miss being on podcasts with Charles every once in a while. Mm-hmm. A Charles episode is a good episode. It is. It always it's like, is. It's like the old Batman show when you'd wait through the credits and then you'd see Batgirl ride across on the bicycle that, or her motorbike. You know that way you knew Batgirl was in the episode and you got really excited. <laughs> you just rode so across cool. on your Mister Slime motorcycle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching uh, the more recent Batman cartoon, like not the animated series one, but Brave it's called the like The Batman. I don't know how oh, old the that Batman. is. Yeah, yeah, that's. The, there, since then, now there's Batman Brave and the Bold. It just reminds me how awesome the animated series was. Like Amazing. it's like so far above and beyond like it, anything it was else. Really good. Anyway, sorry. I just wanted to make that point because I was watching that. I was like, you know, I don't like the art style. Everything's really goofy. There's nothing serious about this. Batgirl's hot in the animated series as well. You know, last weekend we were at uh, Pax East recording a live Game Street podcast. Uh-huh. It was actually episode 200, so it's coming to you in the future. How many more weeks till that? Well, this is episode 198, I believe. Okay. Uh, so in a couple weeks. Okay. It's already up in video form. You can find videos of it. <laughs> but I was saying, uh, we were showing Game Street tunes at the at the podcast, and when Charles showed up in, in, in the Huge Game Street tunes, you got a big, uh, Huge big, big applause. Pop. People oh. love yeah. Mr. Slime. Yeah. Well, well, thank you, everyone. Who a lot of people ask me about you, too, where you were, why you won't say penis. Those, those are the two <laughs> questions I got to like about you a lot. Very important questions. <laughs> oh, just before the podcast started, we also learned that Damon does not like the word slurp very much. Well, I, I had never really thought about it before, but when Charles said it, I was like, oh, I don't want to. Yeah. No, 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 thank, no you. thank you. No moss. Yeah. Don't want that one. Mm-hmm. You want to thank people for PAX? PAX no. was great. Oh, PAX was fantastic. Thank you yeah. all for coming out. Thank yeah. you for the support. Thank you for coming to meet and greet. Thank you for coming to the panel. We are in love with all of you. Yeah. 
personally. Uh, yeah, the meet and greet was great. The panel was awesome. Yeah. Super fun times. And we'll do it again. Uh, PAX Prime. Someone wrote in this week to ask if we we're going to have a meet and greet at uh, San Diego Comic Con. And yes. Uh, of course we will. Greg and Hillary and I will be there, and we'll definitely have another meet and greet. I don't know if it'll be at uh, Dick's Last Resort again or not, but anyway. yeah, well, we'll figure something out. We'll figure also, if out. you're coming to WonderCon, let me know. I would love to do something at WonderCon. Just hang out with people, go drink it. I'll be at WonderCon. Just uh, you've tried this around. before. You've tried to meet people at WonderCon before, and uh, nothing worked out, right? Well, now now it's different. Now mm. now uh, it's come further. I don't know what the hell's gonna happen. Anyways, Eddie Rickenbacker's is right there. It's easy. We can walk right there and get drunk. Speaking of. I'll be cosplaying as Charles. <laughs> oh God! Please, please never show me whatever that looks like. <laughs> Walk around on stilts. <laughs> We're just gonna talk about Canada a lot. Uh, just for, let's do something crazy what? this week. Let's start out the show talking about PC stuff. What? I know. We don't PC ever... stuff. You mean like, wait. like Facebook? Yeah, exactly. So this is the return of Control Alt Tab, IGN's well, premier PC yes, podcast. It was called Control Alt Tab. Yes. <laughs> what would happen if you press Control Alt Tab? <laughs> Don't press that. Well, but I, listeners, do not press that. It deletes your Dragon Age saves. I don't know. <laughs> Very specific Dragon Age function. one or two. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh oh. It's indiscriminate. <laughs> That's the proper word. No, you're right. Charles, this this little game called Total War Shogun Two. Oh, hey, I know that game. Came out this week. Yes, it did. It's uh, available on the personal computer. Uh, <laughs> Your parents help you set it up. <laughs> yes, if you have a personal computer, um, you can play. Uh, you can play Shogun too. And yeah, I mean, I thought it was great. Like I've I've been playing the the Total War game since uh, since the series started, basically with with Shogun. Shogun this was the not original. Like, this is not mostly war. This is not like war. Partial, war. partial war. It's this to- is total war. Why didn't they call it all out war? Because there's a there's a hyphen. Yeah, that's true. Hyphens just get in the way. Hyphens are not good for I mean, marketing. they've already got a colon in the title. They've got the colon, you can't add so they're fine. A hyphen and a colon. Yeah. The hyphen-colon combo is just killer. This is why you're not sale. allowed yeah. to, to name any I Neutron shouldn't. Synergy games. I named many of the Neutron... Well, that's we're getting off topic yeah. here. I, I want Charles to tell me all about his cute little PC game. That <laughs> it's a, just adorable. This is a Facebook it's, one, right? You play You use a keyboard and a mouse to control it. Yeah, if you buy the retail version, it comes with a little pink bow. and. <laughs> just all it's adorable um but no it's it's really good it's the sequel to to the first total war game creative assembly has been making these games for uh over a decade now and it's basically uh turn-based strategy so sort of I like civilization it, it on, makes me salivate and it makes me hate the fact that i can't play it on a console and it it looks i mean if you just look at screenshots and video it looks amazing like the visuals are incredible and that's the that's the in-game stuff so that's the second half there's like the turn-based map uh strategy game and then there's real-time battles with like thousands of uh well in this case katana infantry yes little men all tied up with bows and they they pop out of presence and throw (laughs) they throw stuffed bears at each other it sounds amazing yeah it's it's really intense (laughs) will it run on my macbook pro uh i don't i don't know if you can get this for mac i don't think you can will it run on my zx spectrum all right enough of the fake questions the real questions like uh i was watching your video review I'd love to play this game, but you were saying it's a hog, right? Like it, I would need a giant, awesome PC. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was I was playing it on some some less powerful systems, so something that doesn't have like near top of the line uh, video cards, and it it certainly runs better uh, than Total War games past because Creative Assembly has had issues with like optimization for like Empire, for instance, which did not run very well uh, when it came out. Um, and uh, this one certainly runs better, but yeah, I mean, if you want to see all of the detail in the game, which is amazing. Like, yeah, you're going to need, you're going to need probably an expensive PC Hmm. or fairly, like not outrageously expensive, but if you have one that's like, you know, five or six years old, which I feel like a lot of people do, it's like, Oh, I haven't bought a new computer in a while. You know, can I still run this? And it's Mm -hmm. like, 
maybe, but it's probably not going to look very good. What did, what did you give Shogun to? A nine? Uh, yeah, I gave that a nine. I mean, I think that that game is definitely like way up. It's going to be really hard to top that for like strategy game of the year. It's like it's an all inclusive package, and it has like a ridiculous like uh, multiplayer component. Uh, You're calling it in uh, in March. Strategy Switch, game of the year. It's over. I'm not calling it strategy game of the year. I'm Confirmed. saying <laughs> it's going to be very difficult for any other game to come close to what uh, Creative Assembly did with Shogun 2. And Is it's there just... any game on the horizon that you, you're looking at that you think actually could give it a run for its money? Or is uh, it just totally the, the, the slate is blank and you don't see anything? Maybe else? if Starcraft, the next Starcraft game comes out somehow mm. this year, which is totally not going to. No. That's absolutely not I can't even think of any way. other strategy games yeah, that are coming either. out this year. Um, I, I don't. I can't think of any that would uh, that would challenge Shogun Two. If you're out there and you were thinking about putting out a strategy game this year, it's over. You don't should do it. probably <laughs> don't, don't do, do it. Over. Yeah, don't do it. All right. Um, so basically, we're saying Shogun Two, folks. Feel free to put IGN Game of the Year 2011 yeah. <laughs> logos on Just the box. Just go ahead and do it. Well, not not. Uh, well, not right. over. Charles has already spoken. <laughs> Uh, well, I was going to say slime has decreed. The the multiplayer component is also really cool um, because it has. There's a ton of content. It has. They almost did like a Call of Duty like unlock thing with the with the online component. So you have like a persistent like avatar that you can. This is the dress up part. You can outfit them with like different pieces of armor and stuff like that. And you have like a persistent online campaign map that you can run across, cool. which is totally different from the offline. Uh, campaign map, which coincidentally can also be played cooperatively or at or against another person, like in the full campaign. So, like Damon and I could run through the entire campaign like cooperatively. Yeah, you could play. You could play a campaign working together. It would never work. Eventually, you'd no, we would tear each back. other apart. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, though. That's yeah, really no, cool. it's it's like there's so many there's so much content in the game. There's so many features. It's like it is a it is such a complete game, and it works properly. And it, it and it, it works. Yes, it works. It important, really, really works. Important. Um. And uh. Yeah. And it and in the tra- like I've been worried about the Total War franchise just because you know a lot of people take these you know like we see with XCOM like they take older franchises that people know in the PC realm and then they turn them into something different that maybe has more of a mass market appeal and that's mm. absolutely not what Creative Assembly did. Like they have mm. a much better presentation for the game so it's much easier to understand like what you're supposed to do and everything looks really pretty, but it still has like all the depth that any Total War fan would expect. Yeah, we were talking about it when the, when the game first came in for you to actually start playing around with. I hadn't seen it before. I didn't know what the past Creative Assembly games were like and I walked by and I was like, "Wow, the 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 UI looks really good on this game, like the user interface, the way you interact with the game. It just it drew my eye, even as a non someone who's not knowledgeable at the game. And you were saying to me that kind of they had changed their ways a lot and really focused on making sure that the game was easy to get into. Yeah, apparently they focused on having their artists actually design the UI, so it it does not look like a spreadsheet. It looks like you know a game UI, and it, they've been pretty good about uh, interface in the past. But this one in particular, it's like it it doesn't feel like you're studying something when you're learning how to play the game it feels much totally. more it feels much more game like which i think you know helps to draw in more people hopefully to this franchise so it can continue like like this you think it'll sell uh, uh i hope so yeah i mean it's being advertised all over the place i would Is imagine it? it's it, on like uh you know like steam like pc sites stuff like that i just wonder if the time for games like that to sell really big has passed well how did civ 5 do uh, I don't remember the exact figures, but I mean, I think it's. Sold. I would think that's kind Civ of. Civ Five has more mass appeal I've, than. Yeah, Shogun, I think though. Civ certainly has a lot more people who aren't necessarily into strategy games all the time know about Civ and don't necessarily 
play Total War games or or have as much of an awareness about them. Shogun seems to me like like that kind of game where you'd be a dad would be at Best Buy or something and he'd be looking at the games and he would see that one and be like, wow, this looks really awesome. I'm going to buy this rather than somebody who you could really market that game to. I mean, I I don't know. <laughs> I, I, Let's I go hope, to Best Buy this weekend and watch the Shogun Isle. We'll I, see. I hope a I lot do. of people pick this up. And I mean, there's Steam has so many users at this point that it's, you know, I, I would imagine most of them are aware that this game came out. And if you need a PC that can run it, just ask Charles. He's got a bunch of them sitting at his yeah, desk. Yeah, I'll just hand I, them out. <laughs> I wonder if setting the game in Japan like limits its audience, you know? Because like, we love Japan, but I talk to people all the time who don't really get why, like, why I like Japan, you know? Okay, well, yeah. I, I will I will argue the game has ninjas in it. Well, I mean that's awesome. Yes, I think that's amazing. There are ninjas in the game, and and I mean there's there's such a degree of depth there that as you use your ninja, so you can walk him around the the campaign map to uh, sabotage like city gates to make them easier to invade, and you can assassinate generals in the field. That's awesome. And as as you do that, there's uh you know your your ninja will gain experience, and he will gain. Uh, levels you can build out an entire skill tree unique to every single ninja so if you have multiple ninjas walking around they can all be built with different skill builds and they'll gain retainers that can give additional bonuses so they're basically rolling around with like an entourage of like ninja people and uh i need to get me one of those yeah it's like there's there's so much to the game it's just like it's a it's a game you can play for a very long time and not sort of run out of things to do Damien, can I be in your entourage of ninja people? Of course. What what <laughs> skills do you want to give me? You uh, have you can. <laughs> I think you're just gonna like throw a smoke bomb and <laughs> <laughs> escape. Damien, we're in trouble. Go. <laughs> <You're> just... <laughs> All right, good. I can do that. You're not, I mean, you're you're not really a fighter yourself. You know, it's true. you're not really a, a killer. You they call to... me a pit bull on a leash. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard anyone call you that. Yeah, I think Charles. Did. Total War Shogun Two is out now. I want to play it. Uh, also out now for PC is Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. I've not Finally. played that, um, but it's um, it's out now. It, it, Finally, uh, Charles, would you go play it? Actually, uh, well, right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll just load that <laughs> up on. I I, br- I actually bring a gaming tower along with me wherever I go. I remember Charles used to bring in a small stack of PC related stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not bring the stack in today. I know. Those were the days. That was a long time ago. It was. Yep. 1978. Good to have you back, Charles. <laughs> well, just year. saying, best game, possible best game of the year, Dino D-Day, coming up pretty soon. <laughs> Dino D-Day, yes. <laughs> You've sent me a link to that. It looks amazing. I actually wanted to play it immediately after Charles sent yeah. me. I think it's supposed to come out pretty soon, but I mean... <laughs> Who knows? It's 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 not a huge game. It's but it, it should the, be the pretty hilarious. The screenshot he showed me was a guy holding a nine millimeter to the head of a pterodactyl. <laughs> what? No way! Really? I was like, let's play this right now. It, I know, it, right? It's it combines Nazis and dinosaurs. What? Yeah, it should be pretty interesting. Uh, what did we give the uh, PC version? Did it, was it a good Assassin's or? Creed? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> exactly the same okay. as the okay. console. Got an 8.0 from. Cam, our, one of our Australian editors. Yeah, I, I haven't actually checked that game out yet, so I don't know how it runs or anything like that. But yeah, it seems to seems mm-hmm. to be good. Brotherhood was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, you liked it. Yep. I still haven't finished that one yet. You're gonna be completely lost when Assassin's Creed Three starts up. I'll tell know, you right I, now. I know. Out this week on PSN is Hardcore Uprising. Booyah! Came out on XBLA a couple weeks ago. Uh, really, really good Contra game. Uh, I gave it uh, 8.5. I really like that one a lot. Sam Claiborne called it the best Contra game he's ever played. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Straight up, you know, Contra, run and gun action, but they uh, added RPG elements. And as we all know, 
RPG elements improve any game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but don't take my word for it. Try Hardcore Uprising for yourself. I have a code here for uh, one lucky listener. This is for the PlayStation Network version. Fast Fingers listeners. Here we go. EA9524NADT4A. Please to enjoy Hardcore Uprising on PlayStation Network. Oh, yeah. It's really good. Have you, have you played it any, Greg? Since? No. Okay. I watched you play it. Well, you should check it out. I know. I'm going to. Me and Colin have a date, I think, this weekend to play. <laughs> You know, I've never been a fan of Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat! But I, I'm really <laughs> loving everything I see about the new Mortal Kombat game. It brings back memories, doesn't it? Yeah, so it does. Like, that's what I love about Mortal Kombat. I'm not a huge fighting game fan in general, I but I have such vivid memories of being in my friend's basement where he had the game when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, the first one when it came out, it was, like, the most amazing thing that any of us had ever seen, like, how gory it was, oh, yeah. how over the top. Like, mm-hmm. I can remember being totally. in the living room. And after that, you know, as the game series went on, I lost interest because it was kind of a one-off for me. But I'm like you. Like, when I watched the Fatalities trailer that we had, or not the trailer, but the clips, I was like, this is just... It's just visceral reaction to the the, the old school. Yeah, totally. I, I watched that clip and I actually had a, a similar kind of reaction. The for for me, it was uh, in a, a hockey arena I used to play in all the time. There, of course, was an arcade room there. Oh, there you go. Um, and on one side of the room was the first Mortal Kombat game, and then the other side was Mortal Kombat Two. And of course, everyone played Mortal Kombat 2. Like there was always a crowd around there. And then if somebody got bored watching it, they would just go play Mortal Kombat for a while. But really, they were just waiting to play Mortal Kombat yeah. 2 because mm-hmm. it had it had better graphics. <laughs> How many <laughs> hockey games did you miss because of that? No, this this Charles was. Charles Nature of the Ice. <laughs> this Sub Zero <laughs> needs me in the game. So. <laughs> um, but like, there was always the one guy in the arcade who knew all of oh, every fatality. Every yeah. fatality, yeah, and yeah. everyone was just always mystified about how he knew all of them because it's he, not it's not like oh I'll just go on the internet. You'd it's beg like, him. You'd beg him to tell you he wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. And oh, he would, I don't know. Just make up stories. I had a friend. We were playing uh, the Mortal Kombat One, I believe, right? Where you could you could take a Shenzhen into Goro and kill him that way. Mm. And if you remember to do that, when you had to hold like A for like thirty seconds, and one day my friend just stumbled <laughs> upon that and did that to me. Like bullshit! You told me how you did that. <laughs> he wouldn't tell me. He's like, I just I don't know what I did. I just did it. Like, right, yes, yeah. yes. I remember like so like back in the day, like the Mortal Kombat in the arcades always seemed kind of like trashy to me, like. Like like B movie like yeah. Grindhouse like that sort of like you know sort of like low budget like gory do, do you know you know what well, I mean? Well, yeah. I didn't have the awareness at the time okay. of that. That's what it was. Yeah. All I knew was that it was like forbid. It was like a totally. taboo thing. Yeah. And it so too. it's interesting that you guys' uh, memories are from the arcade. Mine was mm-hmm. from the console. Yeah, me too. And I was never. I, I played in the arcades, but I don't think my arcade at the mall that I was that age had a Mortal Kombat uh, unit. So. You had it, or your friend? Had My it friend on had so it. He must, he must have had it on Genesis. Yeah, I had an NES, and I didn't get, I didn't get to upgrade to the SNES. Okay. So. Uh, my friend had that next sort of generation, and I played it at his house. Because when Mortal came out, when Mortal Kombat came out on consoles, it came out on Genesis and Super Nintendo at the same time. And in the Super Nintendo version, the blood was all gray. So lame. So, so it was <laughs> the Genesis version. Yeah, then. exactly. Yeah. But yeah. So you knew you had to get the Genesis. I had version a friend who, yeah, Mortal Kombat one on Genesis, he got, and then I bought Mortal Kombat two on Genesis. That was like the start of how. Nintendo was started to be viewed as like a more family friendly mm-hmm. console, and Sega was like a more hardcore. 
the edge. Yeah, I got, we it, got it was, toe jam and Earl and blood. Get over yeah, it. Yeah, it was like that, and like, oh, the sports games are so much better on Genesis. Yeah, <laughs> it was and always the NHL argument. And their commercials always ended with somebody yelling at you. you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's that's pretty hardcore. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, what I was saying, how I was describing what I thought about the original Mortal Kombat in the arcades, I feel like they've captured that sort of feel uh. in this game. The music st- still sounds like a little, like I like it, but it still sounds a little like like cheap, you know, like like little grungy to me. I don't know. Like, it kind of reminds you of like I could hear it coming out of an arcade speaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah back in the day. Yeah, the game's always been really sort of clunky in, in how it yeah. controls and how it looks. Because you know they use those like digitized graphics back in the day. How the animations like flow into each other and it's yeah. always. Well, we're putting yeah. together Mortal Kombat in five minutes. It's actually there is a storyline to the game. It's ridiculous. Really but... easy to follow. Oh yeah, super super easy. That's going up probably next week. So look for it. But the thing that was interesting to me about it was when we were editing it. We Craig Baird on our crack video producer was editing it, and I was looking at him. And they they do things like spelling. Like this was back in the time when the story stuff was all just kind of slammed in there at the last minute. Raiden, of course, mm. his name is spelled differently two different ways. It's mm. spelled with a Y and then it's spelled with an I, mm. just depending on which game you're looking at. Nice. It's like amazing to think about that time and how... Ed Boon knows fatalities. Ed Boon doesn't know spelling. He, he doesn't right? care. He doesn't care about that. So is is the Noob Cybot character, is that like the origin... Is, is Boon's name the origin of Noob that now you dominates noob? the internets? Like, oh, is that... Oh, I don't know about Noob. Because it was, I mean, it was Noob Cybot way back in MK, yeah. MK2, and I, I don't believe that Noob was actually used as a term at that point. No, it wouldn't have been, I don't think. Yeah, so I'm just curious if, like, that term sort of drew mm. out of Mortal Kombat, if that's, like, the genesis for that. Whoa. I don't know. It's crazy. Cause, I mean, Yeah. I've wondered as well, but I've never researched. I, I don't know if that even is researchable. I don't yeah. know if you can possibly research that. The as... Wikipedia page wouldn't have something about it. I'm uh, sure. I'm sure there are a million kids right now screaming at their iPods. Yep. Like uh, they know the answer. You idiots! Know. You are so dumb, IGN. Has anybody used the Mortal Kombat fight stick? No, it's really. Nice. It's a, a new it's, one, or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So how does the is it already play, out? Or? Have you played the new one? The new yeah. one. How, how does it play? Like, like the old Mortal Kombat. Really? Like I couldn't. I was trying to play it on the 360, and the D-pad was terrible. I was like, ah, oh, can't do this. No way. And like you could use the stick, obviously, but. I'm more of a console guy, but then I know, like, I was playing with uh, Sid Schumann from PlayStation Blog, and uh-huh. he's super into fighting games, and he was just doing amazing things with that fight stick, and it's wow. really solid, nice casing. You can open it up, and if you're one of those guys, mod it out however you want wow. on the inside and stuff. Can you drop an ATI Radeon card in there? I don't think with so. That? Uh, that's really disappointing. You should definitely be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we have just, like, a straight Mortal Kombat game. Uh, I, I assume you can, you can play online now. I believe so, yeah. I mean, that For sure. Be- Right. Yes, you can. Probably. Would this be the first Mortal Kombat game you can play online, or Mortal Kombat versus no, DC? Did yeah. you do that also in DC? You yes, play online. You could, I believe. Which is still the dumbest game that this generation. <laughs> Who doesn't want to be Batman? Well, yeah, it'll be Batman. You understand? Two of the biggest games this year were in the same game. Yeah, a couple years true. ago. Yeah, there separate. Go. They're great. Together, they're unstoppable. It's like chocolate and peanut it's butter. It's just like what we were talking about, how much we loved watching those fatalities in yeah. Mortal Kombat. That's what it's about. Yeah. And they took all of that out for well, Mortal well, and Kombat that's why, DC. That's why this game is – that's why it's cool to talk to Ed Boon about this game or anybody who's really involved, right? Is that they, they don't they – don't, they're not – you know, we fucked up last time. But they're like, you know, we had to, we had to make it a tea game. We tried something new, and that was cool or whatever, you know, blah, blah. Now, yeah, cool. now <laughs> we're able to come here and be super hardcore and push the envelope and do yes. the X-ray moves where you're framing in as you crack someone's skull on your 
your knee as you kick someone so hard in the stomach they vomit on your leg. Yes. Like that's awesome. Like you know what I mean? Like they totally were like, "Ah, hey, whatever." The headless mode, like there's so many yeah. goofy modes. To, there's like you know. a lo- lots of extra stuff that they're adding. There's in this 300 game, right? challenges in the challenge tower. There's yeah. a ton of Are stuff. Are they the same? Game. Does it have animate Animalities and babalities. No, they got rid of all that crap. They were like, we're going to give you a real Mortal Kombat that's really hardcore and really bloody and about killing people and about blood. <laughs> Amazing. Great. Charles, you like the fighting games. Like, you're a big uh, Street Fighter fan. You love Super Street Fighter. Yeah. Or like, 4, I mean. Yeah, Super Street Fighter 4. Is... So, are you, are you excited for Mortal Kombat? Uh, the not, new Mortal Kombat? Not really. I no. mean, so my thing with Mortal Kombat is I always felt that it was more of an, uh, an arcade experience. Like, mm. I would get excited going to the arcades to play that game because it was a spectacle, because mm. it felt. You know, like I was watching an R movie before I was even allowed mm. to watch an R movie, mm. um, and it, it was when I finally—I I mean, I eventually bought the the home version when it came out on Genesis, and I was so excited for it. And then I played it for until I did all of the fatalities. Like I just sat there with like a, a list of what the fatality yeah, moves yeah. were. I ran through all the fatalities, and then I was like, I don't want to play this anymore. Like the fighting wasn't interesting to me. Mm. Whereas when like Championship Edition for Street Fighter came out on Genesis, I would just play that game constantly against the against the computer. I bought like the six button uh, game turbo, pads or turbo whatever. Pad. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, like that. That was a game I played for the fighting system. Whereas uh, yeah, Mortal Kombat, I just one, once the sort of novelty wore off, I, I never actually well, got into the mechanics of the system. I just thought it was Mortal too Kombat is, is was like the first party game. I mean that that's a game that you was the most fun totally. when you had a bunch of people around. I'm talking about the console version, you know. I mean, arcade's the same, right? But the, if you don't have a bunch of people around it, it's not any fun. Yeah. Whereas like Street Fighter yeah. can be fun and on I, its own. And I mean, I feel like when when I was playing Mortal Kombat, like if if somebody messed up a fatality in, uh, input sequence, then everyone was like, oh, oh like yeah, you blew yeah, it. Like yeah, nobody yeah. cares what happens during the match. <laughs> it's like, oh, you did an uppercut, you threw a fan. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Acid all over the place. <laughs> oh, you missed the fatality. Oh, ruined. I'm going home. <laughs> like oh, that. That is like the, the, the make or break point is the fatality. Yeah. So I wonder why not bring the new Mortal Kombat to arcades. You know, you said you you mentioned it's more of oh, an arcade no experience arcades for anymore. you. Well, like, yeah, really. Street Fighter Four came out, you know, that, that has an arcade cabinet. It's like, um, I feel like that's well, but that's like that game came from Japan, where arcades yeah. still matter. Like this so. game is being developed domestically, where Chicago, son, no, Japan probably wouldn't care about it. So yeah, why put I it out? I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Mortal Kombat's looking really good. Uh, it's out April nineteenth. Coming up. Excited for that one. Jack DeVries, our Mortal Kombat expert, is going to be reviewing that one. Mm. It's going to be good. A few quick uh, news updates. Uh, the <laughs> final Mass Effect 2 uh, DLC mission Arrival. is coming out March 29th. Uh, I guess it's uh, yeah same day for uh, uh, same day, 360, PS3, 360, 360, PS3, and PC. It's called Arrival. Uh, March 29th again, uh, 7 bucks. That one's going to set you back. What's it about, Damon? I don't know. Well, let's see if oh, uh, somebody arrives. Space. Banner Shepard is sent to rescue an undercover operative who may have information about an imminent Reaper invasion. What? Reapers. A Spoilers. Reaper invasion in of this part Earth? of the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, right? uh, I have a noob update, by the way. Oh, good. Oh, I, cool. I went to the wiki, um, and it it somehow references a noob date, the Vietnam War. But uh, I'm not talking about. I know noob stands for person who is new at something and, and sucks at it, a, yeah. a newbie. But I'm just wondering if the actual term noob grew out of that because of noob cybot, right? And which that, that would be... I remember him being bad in the game, though, right? Like you'd want it to be. If I was going to call Regetus a noob and re- reference that, I would be like, Noob Cybot's like fumbling all over himself. No, yeah, and I mean, noob, noobs, it's like the. 
uh, the noob Cybot is such a good character that only noobs use him because he's so easy to win with. Mm-hmm. Oh, noob. Chainsaw, like in Gears of War, noob, because like, it's easy to get kill, pe- kill people with it. I don't know. I don't know. It just seems very What does it have to do with the Vietnam War? I, I, something about <laughs> something about I didn't read the entire entry. Something about newbies. Uh, it had a limited usage amongst U.S. troops in the Vietnam War. Oh, as I a, as a up... slang term for a new man in the unit. Hmm. I thought you were looking for the looking up noob Cybot on the wiki. Oh no, no 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 no. Noob Cybot did fight in Vietnam. Yeah, <laughs> he was Robin Williams. That's the beginning he? of his story in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah, it would, just, it would just be funny if Boone's name <laughs> backwards War. was. Yeah, he was the, frozen the in ice. <laughs> Where Shang Sun defrosted him <laughs> in another dimension. <laughs> You've seen Mortal Kombat in five minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Today, Square Enix announced its canceled Gun Loco. What did they say about it? Oh, no. I love this. They sent out a press release. So, listeners, you know, uh, publishers send out press releases every day. You know, we get press releases about video game news, release dates, game announcements, you know. They're full of good information. Yeah, it's true. Uh, They're usually, you know, several paragraphs long. They're kind of lengthy. It's like a full page, you know, of information, of stuff to read. It's information about the game, and then they'll talk about whatever news they're announcing. It says at the bottom, about Square Enix, about about whatever company, about the game, about the developer. So anyway, Square Enix today sent out a press release uh, announcing it's canceling Gun Loco. So I'm going to read their their press release in its its entirety. Make a sandwich. It's going to take a while. Do we have time for that? Yeah, so just get comfortable. Should I go get a soda? (laughs) Get comfortable. Here, Here it is. Here's the headline is, Square Enix ceases development of Gun Loco. The body of the press release reads... Square Enix announced today that it has ceased development of the Xbox 360 game Gun Loco. You can continue. We're, you have our attention. You can, you can I just, continue. I just sat down with my soda. Yeah. Full stop. That is the Full entirety stop. of the press release. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Uh, maybe the listeners don't understand that that's actually very unusual for us, but we, we got a big kick out of that when we saw that today. If they would have put they have a, bunch of, a bunch of um, PR gobbledygook that didn't mean anything in there, yeah. we, we wouldn't have had we wouldn't have even had any more questions. It's but true. since they put it in like that, we're all like, "What like, the heck is going on <laughs> with this game? What ha- what's the story behind that?" So they announced that last summer, I guess. I think we had a trailer up for it. Uh, they just showed people running around. There's like a lot of sliding. <laughs> people are like sliding around and shooting in, a, in an insane asylum. Yeah, I think that's what the I game is like. I saw it at TGS. You saw the game, actually. Yeah. Did you play it or no. see it played? Or? Uh-huh. I didn't okay. I didn't play it myself. Okay. Yeah. It was like people were gun. They were going gun crazy in the game. Is yeah, what it so felt like gun to me. loco. Yes. Oh. Oh. Oh, I see the connection. Oh. Interesting. Dr. Robinson, what is it? We spill the vial of Agent X. <laughs> oh my God! What are the side effects? It's easy. Gun loco. This montage of people foaming at the mouth. Was that, more, was that the start of the Mortal Kombat? Song? Oh, that's why they canceled it. They were, it was too close. To Copyright the infringement. <laughs> I know it. Uh, so sorry if anyone out there was looking forward to playing Gun Loco. Square Enix is canceled. Next up, on this week's magical scoop train of magic, Christine Steimer interviews the lead designer of both Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age 2. Take it away, Christine. What's up, everyone? Christine here with Mike Laidlaw, the lead designer of both Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age 2. Um, So yeah, we're just going to talk to you a little bit about the sequel, which recently came out. Um, I reviewed it, gave it an 8.5, thought it was awesome. 
Um, but I did think that it was rather bold of you guys to set one entire RPG in, in one city. I mean, how risky did you think that that was going to be when you were designing it? Well, I, huh, I, th- I think we knew that um, we knew that there were certain risks. I mean, and certainly it was uh, creating a, a, a change from Origins, which to my mind was always a game about geography, about a, a country, and about a huge span of space. So. You know, in, in approaching that, what we decided to do was make sure that we were kind of owning that change. Uh, and it certainly doesn't mean that, you know, that's the only thing we'll ever do at Dragon Age. But we wanted to try and make a bunch of things hang together. Uh, we knew we were making some changes to combat. We knew that there was some, some changes around, you know, a single protagonist and not the, the warden and so on. Um, and we also knew we were changing some elements about the storytelling style. So for us, telling a story that, that covered a large span of time, uh, worked very well with the idea of the frame narrative, which worked very well of of the city and the people within the city evolving and and changing kind of their their roles and rationales, which worked very well with the idea of the of the art style looking a little more exaggerated, a little more distinct, uh, which worked very well with the idea of the whole game essentially being a story that's being being told and in a lot of ways being spun by a guy who's a little prone to exaggeration. So we kind of tried to look at and hang it all together and, and, you know, thought about, you know, the repercussions of, well, it's a smaller space, but we do have a bigger period of time and it's the evolution of a story. And when we looked at, you know, have other games done this successfully, we realized that, you know, in a lot of ways, Baldur's Gate 2, while you did move out into you know, places like the asylum and and so on. Uh, a lot of it was really centered in Afkadla, so that, that gave us a bit of confidence. And as well, you know, the entire Grand Theft Auto series, in a lot of ways, um, has had a lot of success and and probably its most successful gameplay parts in that more urban environment. So something we knew, you know, was not untried, and something we thought would be an interesting challenge and present. Um, a neat kind of framework for us to look at some of the other changes we were doing with the game. Cool, Grand Theft Auto and influence, eh? It's a little bit interesting. Um, so I guess I'm wondering, did you guys, how was your art approach different from Origins? Because I know that, you know, you totally revamped the Canary and the Elves, and now they actually look like a different race, which is cool. But it was, I mean, was there a reason that that wasn't done in Origins, or... Well, I think I think it was kind of in in retrospect um, we recognized, and, and our art director Matt Goldman uh, makes a very compelling argument, is that Origins um, wasn't sitting in a space where it felt like it had kind of its own alchemy visually. It didn't It didn't feel like it had a recipe that we were following. And so Matt sat down with the art team and, and worked with the concept artists and, and wanted to create two things. He wanted to create um, a, a visual style that you could sort of break down into having component pieces, having um, some reference material that the art team could go to for, for inspiration and for ideas. Uh, and in his case, it was the, the very bold choice of um, Peter Bruegel meets Akira Kurosawa. Uh, so he went to both film direction, which he, he felt was important given that we have a very you know moving and, and visual medium, um, but also to the, the more planar picture-making styles of, of Bruegel, who's, who's most famous for The Triumph of Death, which is, if you look it up, it, it'll be a picture almost everyone recognizes. So Matt wanted to kind of get together with an alchemy, get together with um, an idea of, of, of artists and works who were very good at focusing on the character and the character struggles within an environment. And then beyond that, he really wanted to create a distinct visual space for Dragon Age, something that, um, by his by his impression, Dragon Age Origins was a very good fantasy game, but it didn't necessarily stand out in any clear direction as having some uniquely Dragon Age elements. And what I think we see is, is especially as as it's evolved and it's been you know rendered in, in different ways, and, and we've improved and kind of refined our lighting over the course of. Um, 
working on the game, we've started to see that character come forward and to the point where we feel like we can now advance and have people glance at a screenshot and go, oh, that, oh, that's a Dragon Age game. I can tell just because of the visual style that it's presenting as opposed to it's some sort of fantasy game. Right. Um, is there, I don't know if you can even talk about this, but it does seem like Dragon Age 2 was a much shorter dev cycle than is normal, especially for a game of that size. Is there was there a particular reason for that, or I mean, it just seems like uh, you guys totally improved a lot of aspects of the game, like combat, the art style, all of these things. But then it did sort of mean that other areas had to take a hit, like dungeons and exploration and and all of that. What was it? It was a challenging dev cycle. It was it was shorter than than Origins for sure, though. I mean, Origins was was pushing around six years, um, but it was it was one that we felt was. Um, uh, reasonable given that, that there was a lot of overlap time in when content teams like design and art were, were actually complete on Origins, completely done and, and actually locked technically out of the pool, as it were. Um, and we had opportunities to start doing a lot of the overhauls, redesigning combat, um, and, and the visuals, uh, while we were doing a lot of the work on the console versions of Origins, uh, which was almost entirely a programmer effort. Obviously, we supported at times, but you know it's really about the programming at that point. So we started into DA2 and, and certainly some of the visual work um, um, very early, um, you know, well before Origins shipped, uh, and then we proceeded forward for um, DA2 and, and just you know rolled programming back in largely with lessons learned from having worked on the console so that we could simultaneously work on all three platforms and make sure we were kind of playing to the strengths of each one. Yeah, so, I mean, but do you think that, you know, taking something out like exploration dungeons, I mean, a lot of them were essentially the same. Um, do you think that hurt the game? I mean, why? what was the choice, I guess, behind that? I think that, I think that, um, Repetition in Dungeons was probably one of the weakest parts of the game, and, and it's a fair criticism and one that we, we absolutely intend to address. Um, we can do so both both through downloadable content and you know uh, future future kind of additions into the game, uh, but also just long term kind of philosophically, it's something that uh, we're aware of and we understand is a problem. Uh, with it though, I mean, what it kind of boiled down to is you know at the end of the day, we realized that you know we actually had opportunity for more content uh, than we had spaces kind of brought up to the, the final state, and it really boiled down to, well, do we start slashing out content, or do we accept that, the, you know, it's it's not ideal that this is a repeated cave that I've seen before, and so on. Uh, so in, in our end, you know, especially following a game of the scope of Origins, uh, we realized that it, it would probably be better to add and, and keep, you know, more of those side stories, more of those optional quests, than it would be to, to just start slashing them over, you know, the fact that a cave is repeating. Right. I mean, I personally, I agree with that. Um, but I know that there's a lot of people out there who don't really like, you know, going into a cave and having it be the exact same thing. Um, well, no, I think that's a fair, a fair complaint. And, and like I said, it's one we're, we're aware of, certainly, and we'll, we'll continue to address as we, as we proceed with the franchise. I think it's something that, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously got a level of sensitivity to it. And so be it. Absolutely. Cool. Um, so another one of the things that you guys added, it's, Everybody's saying, oh, they took it from Mass Effect, which you did, but the conversation wheel, um, which I enjoyed. Um, do, but do you think that that limits at all what you can do with a game? Like, for example, could you have done that with Origins, even though there's so many different stories going on there? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Origins, in fact, uh, went through a period where it had a functional conversation wheel almost identical to what we have here, including the icons. Uh, and we 
you know, took a look at kind of what it what it does. It does a couple things. It actually allows us to, te to technically have more conversation options on screen at any given time than we had in Origins. Uh, we can actually have, you know, say five investigates and three responses, whereas in Origins we're actually limited to six, you know, as opposed to eight or, or a theoretical maximum of ten. Um, so it, it doesn't in any way, I think, really hamper what we're doing in terms of telling stories. Uh, it creates a different, I guess, methodology or a different... Um, uh, method of delivery of the story content, but you know what I found with uh, with you know most people's playthroughs is is playing through they 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 understand okay there are certain tones of response but also lots of chances to ask questions a lot of cool little side things like oh clearly being able to tell that I'm gonna pass the baton to Aveline because it's a corrupt guard and she's in a particularly good spot to deal with that and so on so it gave us as, as many opportunities as it gave us restrictions and really I think it in the end it it worked out to be um, as as deep or as open in terms of what we could do, uh, while still delivering something that I, I felt had a much better cadence in terms of the back and forth, your character being able to not just you know deliver a rye line in your head, but also being able to actually deliver it and have people react accordingly. Totally, I love that as well, and I, I also really like what you guys said with the companions and you know having Varric step up and tell some crazy story, even though that's not at all true. He actually convinced me a couple times. I was like, wait, what is that? Is that really the secret Viscount's son? What's going on? Um, but so you said that you had that thing in or uh, they had the conversation wheel in Origins. Was there a reason it was taken out? Did you just not have time for voice actors or? Sure, sure. Actually, we in in the end of the day, we took a look at, at how it was how it was going to work, and and really the conversation wheel in and of itself is uh, fundamentally a feature that ties to player voiceover, and. We you know, took a look at, at what it would take to, to put it in and current development cycles and so on, and we realized that you know, we wanted to have um, uh, basically an approach that said, you know what, let's, let's go with the conversation list. It works very well. Um, putting the wheel in just with text is, is reasonably awkward um, because it, it, it really, to me, the, the benefit of the wheel, as I see it, is that it presents you with um, essentially a hidden door. Uh, you have three options. Behind those options is what your character will say and deliver in voiceover, which you haven't read. You haven't just heard it in your head and then heard it played in the game, which we, in our testing, have found leads to people almost instantly skipping. If they read it, then they see it, and, mm -hmm. and it gets played out again. It's because in your head you've already played it. Right. So we, we tend to think of it as something that's like a reward where, you know, you well, your choices now have a hidden kind of element behind each and every one of them. So we looked at that and thought, you know, this, this is something that we didn't want to pursue for Origins, but for DH. Two, you know, recognizing a lot of the feedback and certainly our own experience with things like the lands meet, which were big political moments, and and your character feeling mute, we realized it was a step that we wanted to take for DA two. Cool. Uh, Dragon Age two obviously does have some influences from Mass Effect, not just the conversation system, but also the way that party members are now sort of restricted in their armor choices. Um, so, what was the reasoning behind sort of adopting those sort uh, features from that series? Well, I, I think really that's a that's a feature that's kind of it's independent of of whether it's mass or not. It's simply just a, a feature, um, and something that we looked at from um, you know okay, so we wanted to make sure we kept some customization. Certainly, you know, being able to put on a fire resist amulet and so on, or mm -hmm. enchantment um, before you go into battle against the dragon is is pretty fundamental. Um, I've always seen 
you know, Dragon Age is a game about preparation uh, as much as it is about execution of, of your plan once you get into battle. But uh, for the for the characters, what we want to do for, for two, especially given that um, characters like Aveline kind of evolve and change over time, uh, some of the romantic characters evolve and change, uh, Anders has his own very distinct story arc, uh, we want to give them their own visuals and their own personality that were kind of told through those visuals, rather than everybody ending up in similar-looking armor that, that you'd equipped. Mm-hmm. Now, in retrospect, and just as we, we look at it going forward, this is probably something we'll end up revisiting. Uh, I think that some level of visual customization is still very, very important, uh, yet at the same time, I don't want to move back to, okay, well, everybody's in identical leather armor. So I think right. what we'll probably find over the, over the future is there's somewhere there's a middle ground that balances between them keeping their character, uh, you know, Morrigan looking like, you know, Morrigan in her robes, uh, but still having changes based on the way that you've been choosing to equip them and, and so on. And I think, you know, the weapons goes part of the way to that, uh, story progression goes part of the way to that, and I think in the future it may be something we want to go deeper on, but we'll continue to evaluate just as we proceed. Something I liked about it, actually, was just the fact that I felt a little freer in being able to change up my party because I didn't have to worry about the fact that this guy still had, you know, maybe level one armor or something and crap, now I have to go find him something better so that I can use him in my party and he won't die immediately. So, I mean, I think there is something to that as well. Yeah, it's 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 got it's got pluses, it's got minuses, um, and I think that that it's something that I want to continue to explore with with the the systems team and with the art team uh, to try and find a, a really good balance between not getting stuck at your camp micromanaging, but also not feeling like the characters aren't evolving as much as they could be. And mm-hmm. I, I think that you know when I see the the negative reactions, for the most part, um, they aren't usually I can't put her in generic leather armor. It's that she doesn't <laughs> change enough, you know, or yeah. Or, character and complaint here and that's usually what i see and i think that's just something we'll continue to iterate with over time i like i like the step it made uh i do think that we can we can do that step with more grace though so romances one of my favorite parts about bioware games uh i was just a little confused as to why they were so tame this time around i was because you know i just played origins right before um i played dragon age 2 again and i was like oh yeah this is probably the most naked I've seen a character in a while. <laughs> and then getting to uh, Dragon Age 2, where we just make out on the bed. I was like, oh, I at least want Anders without his shirt on. Right. right, right. <laughs> well, we, um, we, did, we did take a look at, uh, honestly, reaction to the Dragon Age romances. And uh, while... You know, they, they, I think that, that the stories that were, be, that were being told and, and everything were, were resonating really well... Um, there were, I would call it mixed reactions to the actual scenes themselves. Uh, some people felt they went too far. Some people felt they went not far enough. Some people felt they were awkward. Some people felt they were really sweet. It, it ranged all over the place. And whenever I see anything that ranges kind of wildly, um, what it suggests to me is that there's, there's, there's certainly elements worth keeping here. We certainly don't want to do away with, with cutscenes or whatever, but we may want to try a new direction to see if we can you know, test and, and figure out the waters. So in our case, the, the goal was to go for uh, something that, that was more sexy than sex, mm-hmm. uh, something that, that, that uh, you know, brought some passion to the table that you know, for, a char- for a character or a player who'd invested uh, the time and energy into you know, bringing these romances up, especially the rivalry ones, which, which create a really interesting and unique experience, um, we did want them to have an element of passion and an element of, of kind of tension to them without necessarily having to dwell on it. Uh, so it was a different approach this time around, and one that, you know, again, like, 
virtually everything we're going to go back and continue to evaluate as we do. Is it too far? Is it not far enough? And, you know, we'll, we'll continue to evolve as we go. I'm a little sad. I must say that I will never get to have a three-way now because uh, I accidentally killed Zevron in Origins. That is a shame. shame. I was like, like he's like a catalyst for sexy times. I know, but it was funny. I didn't even realize that what I was doing at the time. It was like in Denerim, and uh, his the crows came over and were like, "Oh, we we found you!" And I was like, "Oh!" And I think I chose an option that was like, "Well, fine, I'll just kill you all." And I didn't realize in my head at at first that that also meant Zevron. (laughs) And then I was like, "Oh, damn it!" it, It's a reasonable response (laughs) to people trying to kill you, really. Yeah. Um, so something that, um, well, it's no secret to me anyway, that I, I hate Meryl, sorry, but she's just, uh, she got on my nerves eventually, obviously, after seeing her storyline. At first I thought I'd really like her, and then I started to learn about what her deal was, and now I cannot stand her. Um, but do you think you'll ever try and maybe go a f- more Fallout route where you can kill people that you don't like? Well, I think it's, uh, I, I think maybe uh, there's there's some balance to be done between you know i can kill anyone or anyone um i guess i guess fallout has that to a degree there's certain characters that are kind of plot critical that that get back up um and i think it's i think it's really valid style of gameplay it's one that we you know we tend to shy away from simply because of the way our combat mechanics work in terms of evaluating hostiles versus friendlies and so on um but that said i think that it would be very, very possible and certainly well within our means to create, you know, situations where you end up at odds with certain characters. And I mean, even at the end of DA2, there are points where you, uh, depending on how you've interacted with your party, may end up uh, going toe-to-toe with them. Yeah, I, so, I had that happen too. Uh, it's doable. I mean, the balance between story and, you know, can I just do it randomly um, is, is something we have to be careful of because, you know, you never know about the person who accidentally kills someone really vital or, or so on. So you have to be careful about how you deploy that. But it's it's doable and something that I think we'd do if we felt it made the story stronger for sure. Yeah. Do you think that, I mean, Bioware, a lot of your games um, tie together from game to game, whereas I don't think Fallout does, you know, Fallout is very standalone. So do you think that that sort of limits you in what you can do as well? Because then you've got to think about, you know, oh, crap, okay, well, this person could be dead or whatever going on into the next game? It's it's as much a limitation as it is a challenge, I think. Um, It's one of those things where... uh we can absolutely do it so long as we're aware of you know what what that involves in the future. If this character um, is going to come back or could come back in a, in a future title or, or piece of DLC or what have you, um, but they could be dead. We now have to enter into a contract with ourselves to to do that justice uh, to try and you know bring in um, uh, uh, reactivity or an alternate character. So you know the Mass Effect example would be um, you know whether whether Rex is on the the throne in Tuchanka or mm-hmm. you know it's it's his. Uh, his brood brother, uh, so that kind of thing is is doable and and something that you just enter into with you know with your eyes open. Um, it doesn't it, by by no means is it impossible, but it's you know it can either result in a bit of extra work or or you to you know do a bit of uh, um, I guess adjustment in terms of what your expectations for that character returning, what role might they return in, and how major is it, and so on. Cool. Well, I love the game. I have to say, I keep replaying oh, it. I can't stop myself. <laughs> um, but uh, that said, I think we are out of time, unfortunately. But thank you very much for uh, for chatting with us and letting oh, us know all your thoughts. Great. All right. Uh, we will be back later. Okay. Okay.
Uh, let's check in with those listeners, hey, listeners. of ours. Uh, this is Eugene Soruta, our listener from Japan, who sent us those t-shirts. Oh, yeah. oh, yes. Good friend of ours. He says, hello, GameScoop crew. Just writing in to say thanks for holding the charity marathon with your uh, Australia site. Since I live in Tokyo, I was lucky enough that the only discomfort to experience was a blackout. Many were not as fortunate, and my thoughts go out for them. We are told the power supply has decreased quite a bit, and we have to cut back on using electronics for a couple months. This event has really opened my eyes as to how fragile our day-to-day lives are, and that I can help too by simply donating what I can. I don't mean just towards the earthquake last week, as disasters occur all the time, everywhere. Surely I'm not the only one here in Japan to feel grateful for all the relief efforts, financial aid, and warm warm wishes from around the world. You guys and gals truly are something. So as we say, here in the country where t-shirts are small and 30 seconds of pornography is proudly provided, arigato. Oh, that's nice. Doi toshimashite, Eugene. Thanks for wasting your country's power to write that email and download this podcast. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself, Eugene. Uh, this is Jonathan, or Viva La J-Max, on my IGN. Wanted to say thanks again for an awesome PAX East panel. My question for you guys is, what is your favorite or most memorable running joke on GameScoop? Anything from Micah's beard to ass to ass to Soleus to Floridora, etc. For me, I'd have to say it was Rob the Robot. Back in the day, the amazing technology of listener call-ins. Almost every appearance of, of Rob was funny enough that I couldn't listen in public for fear of looking like an idiot. Anyway, just wondering what your choices are. That's a tough one. Does this include Knocking Boots, an extension of the sure. GameScoop podcast? Sure, why not? A, a, new, a modern favorite of mine yeah. is the boat landing reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find it hilarious. Knocking Boots down the boat landing? Yeah. There's, you can use it, you can use it in, in almost any situation. Can, can anyone explain that, or is it a secret? Do you have to, do you have to know? Maybe I don't we know should keep it, it no. as an in-joke. Should we keep it an in-joke, or should we explain it? Uh, it doesn't matter. Some kid wanted to rail his girl down at the boat landing. <laughs> so in, then it, in this kid's <laughs> town, that's where like the makeout spot was down at the, the boat landing. The boat okay. landing. So. And then that just became the thing, yeah. And I can't remember if we're even saying that right. Cause no, because it, it was the boat, boat launching. It was the boat launch? No, I think it was the boat landing. Somebody, many <laughs> listeners have written in to say that it's not. It's much like Floridora. I don't remember. It spiraled into this something that it never was, but... That's just what we all remember it as. I don't remember what it was originally, actually. One of my favorite uh, uh, in-jokes is, is one that I, I coined, actually. It's the Ragin' Canadian, the uh, nickname for, for Charles Onyet here. I, I don't do a lot of raging, I think. <laughs> no, no, you don't. I feel like you're raging inside. There's a lot of turmoil, hap- turmoil happening within Charles Onyet. That's, That's possible. true. That's why I drink a lot of water, just yeah. to <laughs> keep everything settled. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy Solius, of course. Who, oh, yeah. who doesn't love Solius? Uh Maybe fluffy b- arms. Maybe the banging on a mailbox thing. Yeah. If you bang oh, a girl yeah. on a mailbox, she's federally protected, <laughs> so, so the dad can't get mad at you. Yeah. But <laughs> that was, that's it's funny. a way to assert dominance over a woman's father. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's like it, stepping onto like the U.S. embassy soil in a exactly. foreign country. Yeah, yeah, all he yeah. could do is he can just he shake can, his fist he can from step the porch. right outside and yell. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the rule. That was before we had knocking boots. Yeah. So that was just a, a crazy aside. That's true, yeah. Anything Does he include? Any, oh, he already did. Sorry. Well, anything on your end, Charles? I was just going to say Solius. I, I yeah, miss Solius that guy. Is Solius is really good. He's great. We should pull out. He's him on out a fact-finding mission right now for the UN. Where is he, he right now? Back. Honestly. What's up? Where is he? Is he over in the video area? We game should bring library. him up here. We got all this room now. It's in the game library. I'm pretty yeah. sure I lean my bicycle against him. <laughs> Charles, <laughs> why do you keep doing this? Me. <laughs> they took my inside out. <laughs> <laughs> Where is my coolant? <laughs> I, have a qu- I have a question. Yeah. I don't know if uh, an email is going to cover this, but uh, did you guys see the Battlefield 3 footage that keeps coming out? That keeps coming out? It's amazing. Is yeah. it new footage or the one that we saw so, at their the no, announcement? No, there's more. There's been more. 
Because I saw this, the, the rocket launcher to the sniper's face. Okay, yeah, that, that, that was the most recent footage. Okay. Yeah. I love that, yeah. Game yeah, looks that, pretty. Yeah. that game looks amazing. I just, I, I can't wait for that game. Uh, Call of Duty Killer, Charles? Uh, I don't I don't know about sales. I mean, I, I'm not sure. And I mean, I'll have to see the, the multiplayer component before, like, I can be, like, as excited as I want to be about that game. Well, and but... speaking, speaking of multiplayer, um, if you're playing Battlefield 3 when it comes out in multiplayer, and you see a group of people uh, in your t- on your team uh, rush the jets and take off in, in the jets <laughs> and do nothing but fly around the map for the entire match, then it's probably me, Charles, and somebody else for my team. Yes, I need to figure out how to do loot loops in the jets <laughs> and once that's possible then that's all that's going to happen in addition to missiles and bombs to help out the team but yes, yes fancy flying all over the map but yeah i think that well, game that game looks amazing and real I, question yeah home front killer uh <laughs> i i'm assuming it will do better than home front oh, 300 what it wasn't 300,000 units in the first day charles yeah, like that yeah i think battlefield's definitely going to going to do better than that and i but, think i think battlefield's going to take a much larger like share of sort of public consciousness consciousness uh, this time around, but I mean, Black Ops has sold like eighty gazillion That's what I was gonna say. Black, copies. The success of Black Ops is just is is just mind blowing. Yeah, it? it's, it's like one in eight, right? Yeah, one in eight homes have in a copy of, of Black Ops in it. Is there any way uh, Activision could match that success or top it this year? Like, it's it's phenomenal, isn't it? I feel like it, well, this is the year how, that it has how, to start going down. Right, I think the bubble pops. I, I, mean, I think, how can I think it keep, that's it. How can it keep getting bigger? It's amazing. Yeah, I just I think this is critical critical mass for for Call of Duty. Of course, I mean maybe I'll be completely wrong and it'll sell eighty gabillion copies this time. But the thing is, is we kept saying the same thing about the Wii, right? When when the Wii kept selling and selling and selling and selling, we kept on going, "Well, this has got to this thing has peaked by now." And it just kept going up. I mean, but of course, it has peaked now. Yes, I mean, there there is an end. There at is some point. there is for sure. But when we were saying it's got to be, That's it's got to be it. It wasn't. So, yeah. but is it the same thing? I mean, the Wii no, is always well, the Wii. No. Every game has something new. Yeah, but I mean, Activision sees Call of Duty as a platform now, and yeah. I think that they're going to just keep reinforcing that. But however, we saw we saw what they did with Guitar Hero. So, I mean, when is the Guitar Hero effect going to happen to Call yeah. of Duty? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it'll it'll get tossed aside eventually. I think I think before that happens, they have to try an online option for it. Like they have to try yeah. an online microtransaction. That's what, yeah, that's going to say. Yeah. When does that? When do, when do they announce that? The real, the real uh, win for them, I think, is when they do that and it all ties together. When you can do stuff in the free-to-play game that, that ties into the console game, that ties into whatever else they have, and it all becomes just one giant kraken of death that just <laughs> Jesus. overtakes everything. Mm. Damon looks really scared right now. I know. Is Liam Neeson, <laughs> Neeson going to be involved in that? Release the kraken! <laughs> His awesomely shiny armor. <laughs> Never saw that one. Yeah, did anyone actually see that movie? We- I, I have okay. seen that. I've watched it in about 15-minute chunks because it kept showing up on HBO, and uh, it's it's not a good movie. It has really pretty effects, but uh, it's it's pretty bad. So you mentioned Homefront and how good its sales were. Yeah. You mentioned Battlefield and how much better it's going to do. I, I think so. I mean, but I think it'll, it'll do better yeah, than Homefront. Home I the can't imagine is, it'll do sorry, as well as Call of Duty this year. How much did Battlefield cost to make as ah, opposed to Homefront? Like, Homefront, as you look at the game, you can see that it probably cost a fraction of what Battlefield 3 is going to cost to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, who who wins? They still right? put a lot of money into it, though, right? Homefront marketing. Colin's, marketing. Always, Colin's, marketing always, Colin's always saying that he heard, he said on Beyond yesterday that... Uh, 
someone somewhere along the line they've admitted that it, they'd have to sell two million copies or something to break even on that game. First of all, to I make money on that game or something. I, wow. I, I can't believe they would admit that public. That that sounds surprising to me. Well, I mean, they're a public company, so I mean, there might have been some shareholder thing that they had to talk about that with, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It is rare. We don't hear that kind of stuff very often. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if they sold 300000 at launch, not looking very good. I know. I feel like that's kind of like, that's what they sold, uh, that's what their marketing sold for them. But yeah. now that the reviews are out and word mm-hmm. of mouth is going to get around, yeah. like, I don't, it's not going to pick up, you know? Yeah. Ouch. Fun game, though. Yeah. I liked Homefront. Greg, uh, Dave Rooney hey, Dave is Rooney. from Dublin. Okay. And he he thought you might want to know how to say ass to ass in Irish. Love it. Hone go hone. No way. Yeah. Home go home. Rolls mm. off the tongue. <laughs> Sounds like home go home. What does that mean? Nothing. <laughs> something you'd say to a lassie or something? I was, I wow, that's creepy. It's so, I, what I thought of too was a dog, like a little puppy. I don't know. So I think the sure. listeners would like to hear you say say it with gusto. So if you were really going to say ass ass in... Home go home! Doesn't really have the same... Sort of effect, does it? We should go get the Irish. I'm dub. terrified right now. We should go get the Irish dub of uh, "Reckoning for a Dream" and see if that's in there. <laughs> <laughs> Irish dub. <laughs> I can't do a good Irish accent. I wish I could. Um. Okay. This is Brent Gosh. That's a good name too. Says, "Hey, just want to let you guys know, I've officially gotten the puppy versions." Oh, this is the guy. He has puppies. The Hatfield and Miller puppies. All right. Yeah. This, he named his puppies Hatfield and Miller. Hatfield's the girl. Wow. Hatfield and Miller sounds like a like a Broadway, you know, lyrics and <laughs> yeah, music team. It does, yeah. Um, well, we kind of do that because I provide the beats yeah. for Greg Miller to sing over. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't bring it. A pa- I know. I, I thought about doing it just now, but you're. you're I'm sorry. It packs. It packs. There was so much going on. I, I guess I just kind of. I gave a cautionary tale, tale of bears eating people, and Damon wasn't happy. <laughs> so anyway, Brent's here with a a pup date. Oh, oh wow, it's good, right? So he says, I've officially gotten the puppy versions of you, all of their shots, and their first collars. Miller has learned how to scratch the back door when he wants to pee, Aww. but Hatfield refuses to accept that the entire house is not her toilet. She's also very greedy and steals Miller's food. I'm thinking she's going to be the dominant partner if they ever breed, <laughs> right? Just like in real life. Yeah, right. I wear the pants in this relationship. I wear the pants. Oh, man. Remember that Avril Lavigne yeah. song? Everybody go YouTube that one. Can we listen to that one later today? Sure. In the office? Sure. Nice but then we got to listen to Friday again. Friday. I don't want to listen to Friday. Getting fucked on Friday. <laughs> 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 He's 15, Greg. I'm singing it, though, so okay. I'm allowed. Kenneth Botley says, uh, this is Kenneth Botley again. Have we heard from him before? I don't Apparently. Know. Two quick questions. I'm sure y'all have answered this one before. But how does a listener become a super fan? You write in a lot. You are active you do on something. my IGNs. You, you do something yeah, extraordinary. Yeah, you do something crazy. Devin Sneathan flies everywhere. He flies the, no yeah, matter wherever we are. Yeah, wherever we are, Devin Sneathan flies there to see us. Now he, he can do that for free, so good for him. But. Yeah, but I'm just saying that's... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know. Um, Matt Jones, what, what, what did Matt, Matt Jones, Jones do? Matt Jones' license plate says scoop. There you go. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. His that's license awesome. plate says scoop. That's, I, mean, I, that's I don't think anyone hardcore. has... Matt Jones was the first super fan. He's the right? overlord yeah. of the super yeah. he, No one's even come close yeah, to him. Yeah, no one can. For a while, there was a debate that Devin could possibly be in the running. Yeah, Devin has given Matt a, uh, a run for his money. <laughs> Excuse me. He brings us presents. It's true. Yeah. People, Pre- people come from the UK and give us presents. Yeah. Pre- presents certainly don't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number, his second question is uh, I'm thinking of starting my own game review blog. 
How does the IGN crew go about deciding how much to mark a game off for flaws? By that I mean, Colin Moriarty took, took half a point off of Mass Effect 2 on PS3 just because it was a year late. Jack just took off a point wait, from Pokemon. I know, wait, I know, wait, no, 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 I know. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to clarify. Just okay, let okay. him finish. Jack took off a point from Pokemon for being formulaic and having ugly Pokemon. Whoever reviewed Killzone 3 took off an entire point yes. and a half for lackluster story. The question again is, how does the IGN crew go about deciding how much to mark a game off for flaws? You, you're, you're approaching this the wrong way. You're misunderstanding the way we uh, do our reviews. We don't, it's not like every game starts out as a 10 and you start taking off points for flaws. That's not how it works. Yeah, you, play, you, have, you, you play it and you sit down and then you think about it. Yeah. How much fun did I have? How did it look? How did this go? Yeah. Colin didn't mark down Mass Effect 2 either. I mean, he, he didn't got mark a, it down because it was a late, year late. Yeah, he, just, and, it, and not half a point either. It was point one. So, but the problem there was that it came out. He's, but he's thinking it from a, from a ten. Yeah. You know, like, oh, thank you. Yeah. That's the, that's not how it works though. No. No, I mean that that's not how how I would approach the the review process. It's it's like Greg said. You just you play the game and then you sort of. It's not like oh well, how many points do I have to deduct for these. You know this list of problems that I had. It's just mm. sort of like, what did I feel that game? Yeah, was? what's the overall experience at the end of it? Mm. Yeah, it's not. It's not like a science or scientific. It's not, there's there's no like procedure thing that you go through aside from yeah. You know, it's very subjective. Yeah. Gettis has nothing to say about this. He doesn't review games anymore. He's washed up. I was thinking. He's I was got a calendar to maintain. Thinking about how you also are. You're reviewing the game based on what else is on the platform at the time. You know, it's, isn't that genre? Yeah, it's not. It's not just. Is massive? You're massive, not reviewing Mass Effect Two in the same sphere as you're reviewing Mario Kart Wii. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're talking. You're thinking about what else is on PlayStation Three right now, and what can I compare it to? You know, it's so that's why if you're looking at oh, it's it's a year late. Well, if it would have come out at the same time that it came out on 360, it would be a very different experience than it is mm-hmm. right now. So that was what I was thinking about. Daniel Pryor has four questions. Greedy. Number Pick one. Two. Greed much. Daniel Pryor? It's question four. This I'd is like how to ask more questions. Don't become a super fan. You got stuff to do. Number one, which do you all prefer? Fantasy or sci-fi? Sci-fi. I can't. It's like picking between my two favorite children. I can't it's do tough, that. tough, isn't it? But if I, if I had to pick one, I guess sci-fi? No, you can't pick one. Yeah. That's what you just said. That was a question. You're not, you're not playing along. I'm just saying, I like them both equally. It's like, I'm just as excited as for Skyrim as I am for Mass Effect 3. Why do I have to pick which this genre is like, I like This better? is like when you, you do the hypotheticals, you and you're like, you can either have sex with this girl, or you can do this, and you go, well, I don't want to do both those things. So, I mean, I'm not going to choose. I what if this really, what if you hold me to this one day? <laughs> you're talking about idiot. Let me ask you this. Are you writing... <laughs> Are you writing an internet sci-fi novel or an internet fantasy novel? It's more sci-fi than it is fantasy. So there's no orcs or trolls but in it? I'll, no, there's no orcs or trolls in it. But I, I am equally interested in writing something fantasy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, if I have to choose one sci-fi, fine. I feel like a lot of sci-fi is just fantasy, just in space. Different setting, Because, 100%. I mean, it, it, you have to draw the line not between... Not always web- space. Okay. Or, or on Think a, about, like, cyberpunk. On, like, that's on, not space, necessarily. No, that's true. It, it, okay, so I, I feel like a lot of it is just fantasy, just set in the future, maybe, if if you want to say it like that. Or, well, it depends on what we mean by or fantasy. Or some high-tech Does like, it have area. to have high elves? Yeah, is it like fantasy? high fantasy, or is it sci-fi like like uh, like Rendezvous with Rama, which mm. is like very almost technical, oh, like true. sci-fi, which is like, you know, if this were to happen, here's how it would theoretically work. And there's like, you know, not... It's not like scientifically sound or anything, but like there was some research done and and a lot of thought put into how things would actually work instead of just saying and they had laser guns and they <laughs> shot energy 
I don't know. Beams. Mutons or something. <laughs> mutons. <laughs> <laughs> Energy mutons? Well, that's the mutons. thing. I mean, you just, I'm stealing that. A lot of the, like, quote-unquote sci-fi is just people making stuff up that has to do with pretty lights and people with stupid haircuts. And it's like... That's, that's, that's all Ryan's doing with his novel. <laughs> yes. That's just making stuff up. That was my starting point. Like, and then I, I went backward from there. There was a guy. put up his 14-foot <laughs> pink mohawk. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like space just got crowded. <laughs> with space mutons. Yeah. Uh, I actually read reading Cryptum, which is the Greg Bear sci-fi novel that's set in the Halo universe mm. right now, and it's really good if you're a Halo fan and a science fiction fan, I highly recommend it, because there's some things in there that like really you know, shed light on some of the secrets in the Halo universe, but... Without giving too much away, what Charles is saying does make sense because there is an there are characters in that book that are kind of if you really break it down, they're essentially space elves. Hmm. They're like, what are elves, right? They're usually like really wise. They live a long time. They have like they have high agility. <laughs> yes, they very, they're not space rogues. <laughs> they're elves. They have some sort of magical, mystical aptitude. Yeah, but now that I've said. Uh, that there are space elves in the Halo book. No one is going to want to go read that book. So don't don't pay any attention to it. I actually so. just pre-ordered that book when you said that. <laughs> I don't know if I can pre-order something that's already out, but you can. I did it. Uh, question number two. Oh God, he's getting good. No, he's a good question so far. <laughs> Who is your favorite developer? Company or person? Your your choice. I'd have to probably probably Valve. Yeah. I'm going to go with. Bioware. Yeah. Yeah. Also a good choice. Yeah, I'm sort of I'm debating between like Valve and, and Blizzard. Yeah. I mean I know a Blizz, a lot of Blizzard's games are, you know, they like Starcraft two is very similar to Starcraft in a lot yeah, of ways. But, but it's just like But every every game that they've made I've just been like the biggest fan of possible. Yeah. Like it I I those are like my favorite games. But I mean, same deal with Valve. Like they've never put out a game I didn't like. Yeah, I actually have to have to be a toss up between Bungie and Bioware for me, mm. probably. Gregory, um, I would say either Naughty Dog because I was a big Jack and Daxter fan, and then obviously Uncharted is really good, or Rockstar. With this state, with the exception mm. of State of Emergency, I like pretty much everything they do. <laughs> Greg reminded me of State of Emergency last week. I'll weekend. never forget the totally EGM cover that. when they had that giant EGM cover, and I was like, "Kid, I'm like, whoa, I knew a rocks!" And then like, you're running through, you got hatchets in this mall. I'm like, "It's gonna be red." <laughs> that was after Grand Theft Auto yeah. Three. Yeah. yeah, that was their, that was our follow up to Grand Theft Auto Three. That's crazy that it was. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Game. That was the timeline. Then what did they do after that? They went back to Grand Theft Auto. Huh. Well, no. Well, you had other games in there too. Nope. Not they would. What they did? Vice City next. Well, they had Midnight Club. Oh, yeah. right. I don't count the race. They had Bully. <laughs> well, Bully was Bully. later though. Right. Well, Bull- Bully Two came out later. Uh, I'm yeah. saying like Vice City and stuff came there was out a Bully before too. that. Yeah. 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 There's a Bully Two. Really? <laughs> yeah. I never played either one. Weird. Bully. No. Bully One's great. Bully's an awesome yeah. game. Uh, we're going to skip to the fourth question here. It's for Greg. Uh, really? There was a Bully Two. We're sure on this. What happened in Bully Two? Nobody played it. We, we don't know. Charles, are what about th- that iPhone? You figured it out. Are we thinking that the bully came to we? No, no. There, there was there, a, there was got, a scholarship got, edition on, that's, on 360 that's release what, that I think had some additional content, but it wasn't a sequel. Well, I yeah. remember Hillary reviewing a bully game like two years ago. Yeah, on 360. It was when it came back to 360. Okay. I'm pretty sure there was no bully too. I'm pretty sure. I'm willing to bet things. Charles on is googling this. madly. Right, anyway, sorry. Question remember, number four. Uh, I wish to get deeper into comics. Okay. Daniel says I've only dabbled. 
can you recommend any good series, either just starting or that I can get a back catalog of on the iPad? And what is the app to get comics? Oh, you want to get Comicsology is the app. Uh, yeah. Comicsology is the framework behind uh, DC's app and Marvel's app and uh, well, images in Comicsology. If you just get the Comicsology app, though, you get one username, and it would apply to all your other ones too. But if you use is it that. Free? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you you download it. They have a bunch of free stuff to try too. Um if he's looking for superheroes on Comicsology, I would suggest Invincible. It's a Robert Kirkman book. I'm a big Robert Kirkman fan. And they they have all the trade paperbacks on there uh, that'll catch you or not all of them. They should have most of them and then back issues that should be able to catch you up. This is one of my biggest excitements about getting an iPad is being able to get comics and get them uh especially the Kirkman ones day and date. Walking Dead as well, the same thing. You're still iPad 2 list. I am still iPad 2 list. They are incredibly hard to find, and that makes apparently if you order online, you still have to wait like a month. Yeah, exactly. And like, I have another plane trip coming up in April to go do this uh, World Live thing down at the Nerdist. A live reading of that plug. Sorry, and uh, I want it for that. And now it's like, even if I order it offline, I don't think I'm going to get it in time to be on that plane reading comics, which mm. is yes. So, anyways, Comicsology and get anything by Robert Kirkman. You can get back issues there. Superhero, get Invincible because it's all there. You can get, you read the entire series. Walking Dead is amazing too. I think. How how far are you now? Have you? I haven't gone back to it. Okay, so, okay. So I should have taken it to Boston with me. I didn't yeah. think about that. Uh, before uh, Daniel bounces, he wants to give us some Aussie slang for our enjoyment. Hmm. How do I say ask to ask there? Yeah, he doesn't say. But Holman, he says go home and they say shout. Wait, shout means paying for your mates who will then shout you back. For example, two friends go into a bar. First man shouts second man and buys his beer. What does he say? He shout. Says, no, he says, I, I, shout I'll, I'll you. shout you. I'll shout you. Oh, yeah, that means okay. he's like, he'll get your beer. <clears throat> okay. So cover. Yeah, exactly. They say, they say shout. Don't ruin this for that country, Charles. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And they also say bugger. 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 That means, that means shit, basically. So, it's like a mean bugger. You little bugger. Isn't that a bugger? Uh, or as an exclamation, like, bugger, I got to go back home to get the keys. I woke up Me with all shit. this bugger in my mouth. <laughs> Who bugged in my mouth? <laughs> if I had a nickel. <laughs> Sounds terrible. <laughs> you ought to live this life, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> this is Rick Van Etten. Uh, questions for Damon. He says, I know you have a bad astigmatism in your left eye. For that reason, you can't see the 3D effect on the Nintendo 3DS. I have a bad astigmatism in my right eye. My question is, how bad is your astigmatism? Mine is uh, minus 2.5 in my right eye, minus 0.75 in my left. I believe that's quite bad. Oh, Rick. Mine is uh, so much worse than yours. Mine is like four times worse as yours. My right eye is minus 8, and my left eye is minus 9. So. It's like over 9,000. I know, right? That's pretty much Vegeta screaming at all times. (laughs) Rick says, I watched Avatar when it came out. I had no problems watching that. The 3D effect was beautiful with my current glasses. So, yeah, I I, I don't think you... It doesn't sound like you'll have a problem with the 3DS. It's it's just me and the other 11% of the population whose eyesight is as as bad as... Damon went and saw Avatar just stood up and screamed the whole time. (laughs) No, I saw Avatar in 2D. And I was just like, eh. It was just you and like... Helen Keller in there. Oh, great. <laughs> what? What is what? Where did that She's come a from? real person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm pretty sure she was blind. <laughs> I've, I've only picked up on Family Guy references. <laughs> Not 100% sure. She knew binary code. What? This is from the freaking Puerto Rican. A nice name. <laughs> Raging Canadian versus freaking Puerto Rican. <laughs> I, I know, right? See. I want to see that grudge match. You do have a grudge with the freaking Puerto Rican, don't you? Charles? Oh, big time! But I don't want to. <laughs> we we can't talk no. about it right now. Okay, it's okay. it's illegal. Uh, freaking Puerto Rican says over the last year or so of listening to various podcasts, I've noticed that Greg Ass to Ass Miller is not the biggest fan of the FPS genre. Yeah, I can relate. But enjoyed Homefront quite a bit. 
Quite a bit, really. Quite a bit, yeah. I, I, the story was really good. I, it's one of those. I agree with the Colin review. It's a very, very short campaign. Mm. Probably not worth the money at full price, but I enjoyed the story. He says, I can relate to not enjoying certain genres. I don't enjoy playing most racing or sports games. My question to you guys are, what are some genres of a game that you don't usually enjoy playing, and what is one game that <coughs> that broke this rule? Just like you freaking Puerto Rican, I'm not a big sport or uh, racing games fan, but I loved uh, Hot Pursuit, for instance. Oh, there you go. Yeah. If they can do, or, and I love the Burnout series. Like, if they do something a little different, if they allow me to do something a little bit more than just race a car, uh, I can get, I really get into it. How many? Well, sports games for me. I mean, I, I don't play sports games. But then what game but is there an exact broke that rule for you? NBA Jam? Wii Sports? Okay. Like, okay. that's the closest yeah. thing I can think of because I don't play any others. Yeah. Greg already said Home Friend is yeah. the. Yeah, it's a good yeah. one. Uh, racing, I'm not a big fan of, but like I love kart racing. So there's like mm. a knockoff there. If you want straight racing, I like I like I'm excited for Motorstorm Apocalypse. I've been able to play that a few times. Just delayed in the US now. Yep, yep. Till when do it? Indefinitely. Indefinitely. Yeah, wow. it's right in line with the UK thing. It's just yeah. you know nothing's wrong with the game. It's just that just the whole ready, yeah. point of the game is that you're driving through an earthquake-stricken thing as a bunch yeah. of horrible natural disasters happen. Yeah. So not the kind of climate you want to release in right now. Um, I I, I mean I guess for me would would be modern sports games as well. Like that's just not something you don't I don't like I, modern sports games. I it, it it's not that I don't like them. It's just that for whatever reason I'm not I'm not interested in them. And I used to be a big sports game fan. Like mm. I I was the guy buying the annual NHL game releases and I was playing like Madden um and then I just gradually sort of got out of that and was would gravitate to stuff like uh <laughs> The, the Mario Golf game on uh, GameCube on GameCube so awesome. was amazing. God, where is that? I know. Where is that scene? I know. Where is what are Mario you doing, Golf? Nintendo? Yeah, that game was incredible. But that that was the last like yeah. I mean, that's not even really a sports game. But that, should, was, that was the last like actual sports title that I I played a lot, like months and months of play. Should be careful what we ask for though. You I can know. imagine what it would be like on Wii. As long as they kept away from yeah, if I can use my GameCube controller, <laughs> it would be like a Wii Motion Plus game. And yeah. Tiger Woods on Wii is actually not bad. Sure, it's. I mean, but that's not, not the experience what I, that I want. Yeah, still not exactly. what I, I don't want, want to be do. swinging my club like a club. <clears throat> I yeah. mean, and I guess the argument could be made that even like a lot of games that aren't based on real sports have become sports. So, like, I still like the competitive aspect. So, I'll I'll play StarCraft competitively, even though I'm not especially good at it. And I love playing first-person shooters online. Um, so I, I still I, I get the same thing that I used to get out of playing like my brother in NHL out of you know playing in in matches online in FPSs yeah. and and real time strategy games. So maybe that's just sort of where that transferred. I mean I still like watching sports. It's just I I don't have an interest in recreating that virtually. I'd rather I guess you know go out and play football or something. That's even, crazy. Even talk. though I'm terrible yeah. at it, but <laughs> but yeah I just I like the virtual like entirely virtual. Uh, competitive experience as opposed to the one that's based on something that's really happening. Hmm. We're doing something with competitive StarCraft in the office today, aren't we? Not today. Well, yeah. Uh, they're it's, filming it today. You won't be seeing it right away on the site, <laughs> but there will be something on the site related to competitive StarCraft very soon. That's going to be cool. Hmm. I was also just thinking about action games. I'm not a big action game fan. Like, Greg, you like action games probably. What do you well, now, hold on, like... because we've talked about before how we don't like that, that term. Okay. Like, what does that yeah. mean? Yeah, what, I mean? It's never useful, but I'm thinking like... Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you. Yes, I'll tell you okay. how it broke out of it. It is Assassin's Creed is the one sort of third-person action game that kind of appealed to me. But like, even something like Dead Rising, um, mm-hmm. not not that big of a fan of, or Darksiders. You know, these types of games that are more like about it's a third-person view where you're going around just kind of hacking and slashing at stuff and you know solving puzzles and gotcha. that kind of thing. Um, 
then again, there's your Uncharted, where that's a totally different... I mean, it's technically based on our old school nomenclature. That's mm-hmm. an action game, but I don't view it that way. I view it as like a story-based game where you do some platforming. So Uncharted mm-hmm. is a six-hour like movie. That's yeah. yeah, that's basically a movie. I mean, with some... Yeah, that you control. Yeah. So I don't know. The genres are all messed up now, but... <laughs> Stupid evolution. <laughs> uh, last question here. Jesse Sessler... Wants to know what we think of. Go uh, ask your brother Adam. <laughs> wants to know. Not a big laugh for that. Okay, sorry. No, why would we? Yeah. Uh, what, wants to know what we think of Kim Kardashian's single "Jam." It's terrible. He says personally, I think it's a steaming pile of shit. Oh. Hearing your opinions on it would be great. You're, you're totally right, <laughs> Jesse. I've long uh, thought that the reason I like Kim Kardashian so much is that I don't watch her show and I don't ever like hear her talk and I don't really have <laughs> I, I don't really have any idea of what what she's actually like. What are you about? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, hearing that single, man, that was really really terrible. But oh, and what is worse, that or the Friday song? Oh, Kim Kardashian's way worse. Yeah, you think so? Friday's at least catchy. Yeah. And it's just some like 13-year-old girl getting her, you know, feet wet on the music business. Mm. Right, and it's writing for 13-year-old girls, right? She's going to school. I like, there's, I like how there's just the ambiguous line of "I gotta get my bowl." Like, I'm sure that's hilarious. She has to get her bowl. Yeah, for cereal. Like in cereal. the video, it makes sense. She's oh, gotta yeah. get her bowl. I'm gonna get my cereal. bowl. Yeah. Huh. Are we excited? I don't know. Derail too much, but are we excited about the 3ds? Like in nope. general. Well, it, the games aren't there. Right. That's it. I mean, you don't get really excited about hardware, do you? You get excited about the games that you can play on it and the. We used to get excited for platform launches, even if there weren't great launch games, though. Or really? we've been burned so many times, yeah, though. I know. Like, well, I mean, we're always. I mean, traditionally, a platform launch is pretty weak. You know, it launches with weak software, right? But don't you guys? Maybe I'm off base here. But don't you guys feel that the interest level in the 3DS launch is lower than previous platform launches have been, even though the launch lineup wasn't that great for those either. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm off I, mean I think I think some of that has to do with just, I mean, the, the iPhone sitting in front of exactly. me. Exactly, like, that's it. I, I think interest I, in using a, a dedicated gaming handheld is, is, is lost. Yep. Doesn't it, lost. And doesn't it also, at least in some respects, boil down to the fact that it's not revolutionary? It looks yeah. just like another DS. It's not well, like, just like you figure like the oh, hardware is when the, just looking at it. Mm-hmm. Totally right, and it's just it's a, a very it's like you know it's just another iteration, an iteration of that yeah. same mm-hmm. thing. Like when the Wii came and it was this big huge thing. When the 360 came, it was this big yeah. huge thing. PS3 was a big huge thing for people who thought they were going to buy it and sell it on eBay. Like there was something <laughs> different that this thing was doing, and it was like awesome, and it had all these other features. Whereas this is it's DS and 3D. You but know do I mean? you think that this is going to be a similar launch? vibe to the NGP's launch? I mean, NGP's, I think, too early to tell. Like, right now, if they were saying NGP comes out, comes out tomorrow, and, like, based on what we know, I'd be like, cool, but I bet it would have the same vibe, because yeah. it looks but, like another PSP. But but the NGP, at least, is, I mean, significantly more powerful than, than the PSP. True. Whereas the 3DS, I don't, I mean, there's not, like, a gigantic performance increase, unless there is. I think the games do, but the games do look a lot prettier on it. Like a like a lot like looking like another generation ahead prettier, or is it just sort of inc- incrementally I th- I prettier? Think so. No, I think so. Okay. Like, if you look at like Resident Evil and in, 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 I mean, Ocarina of Time looks better than it ever has. Yeah, I was playing like Street Fighter on there, and it looked it looked okay. Mm. But uh, I, I mean, I'm sure it's a lot better than what the DS could have done. But I mean, I'm just wondering still, if we're like jaded and like well, if everybody. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't want to sound that. jaded, but like I love playing games like uh, you know <laughs> on the go or whatever, as as they say, as the, as the term <laughs> is. Um, but uh, I just I turn my phone on because it's already in my pocket. That's, and that's 
That's Nintendo's biggest, you know, competition. Like your phone is always with you. you but have... I still don't have the kind of games that I want on my phone. But I Tiny Wings don't... is awesome. Sure, I wouldn't disagree with that. But I don't have Ocarina of Time or Resident Evil or any or you know, uh, Metal Gear, Uncharted, you know, whatever, Peace Walker, yeah. whatever. I, I mean, it, it, do you really want to play those kinds of games on the go? Well, I, I want an experience with games like that tailored to my mobile. Mm-hmm. I don't want the exact same experience. I want, I want them to think about the mobile as something different, a totally different experience with those big games that I love. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's really happening right now, which is why everyone's just going, oh, well, cool, I'll just play for five minutes on my iPhone. The 3DS is a huge gamble. I mean, yeah. Like, a gaming platform is you know going to be around for year, five plus years, you know, and Nintendo is get, betting that people are going to be into 3D for that long a time, you know. It hurts my eyes. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't like have astigmatism. Stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, my eyes are fine. I mean, I, I have corrected lenses, but I mean, it's not like I don't have this thing that Damon has. Mm. But for me, I'm not a freak, is what I'm saying. I'm not like... <laughs> it's like a gremlin a hanging on the side of Damon's head. Like, when I, when I walk into a room, has. children don't scatter in horror. You so know? basically oh. basically you're saying Damon has Quado hanging off. But I still, when I play the 3DS, and I haven't done that much, but I kind of go over to Rich George's Jess, pick it up a little bit, play with it, It my, I can feel feel my head like trying to like make it work and I hate it. I do. I don't like it. Before we let you go for this week, I wanted to let you know that I've just released my latest album. It's called Color Beam. It's available right now on iTunes. Just search Damon Hatfield Color Beam. This is the third track off the record. It's called Tokyo Game Show. So check it out. Everybody take care. This is IGN Game Scoop and we're out.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.